welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I don't know how people do life without God and without a family like a church. I know that it's probably difficult for me to say that in some ways because I'm a fifth generation minister of the gospel. My great great grandfather was a Presbyterian minister in Georgetown, Guiana, in South America. And every generation since then um, have been in leadership in a church. I was born in church, but my parents raised me in two things to love God and to love the church. And I'm so glad that they helped me do that. It's something that just was in our genes, in a way that we were brought up, and I've done the same, and I was, uh, received a text from my daughter on our way to church this evening, just to say, Dad, I love my church. She and her husband are visiting some churches to get skilled and just to go and see some other uh, churches around South Africa. She's obviously been somewhere, and uh, she just wanted to let me know that she really loves our church. And uh, I just, I, th- I tell you that story just because um, I, I, we were sitting with some of the young guys this afternoon and they were asking some questions. Some of the questions that I actually not sure that I could answer, but one of the things that I, I did encourage them to do is to, is to raise children that love God and love the church. And uh, it was so good to, to hear from my daughter. And the reason that um, I also say, I don't know why and I don't know how people can do life without God and churches. This last week, uh, we, as Tony said, come from South Africa and uh, they've just been there and they were an incredible blessing and built into our church along with Benno and uh, I did say this but I wanted to say again, uh, we just loved how you guys have sown into Urban Life Church. And uh, it's, it's an incredible blessing to receive you guys and all that God is doing with us and the partnership that we have together, um, an apostolic partnership that is so real and is producing so much results. And I uh, haven't got enough time to talk about that, but uh, we just wanted to, to say thanks. But while when Tony and Kath were with us, they stayed in our home, and uh, as I'm sure you know, Tony and Kath are these fitness bunnies. My wife is a runner, and uh, she loves to run. She's run a couple of marathons, and she does half marathons almost every second week. And so we encouraged Tony to go run, but he wouldn't go run anywhere outside of our complex. We kind of live in a gated community, 150 homes, and so it is quite a space, but old Tony would just go run around inside the community. And we said, hey, Tony, go outside, man. I mean, you're, have you seen his muscles? I mean, it's like, who's ever going to take on Tony? You know? But he was, we would say, too poop scared um, to, to go out. You know? And... Uh, of course, Kath went out with Andy, and they began to run and stuff. And so on Tuesday morning, my <laughs> girls, I mean, uh, and uh, Andy's very, uh, she's, she's not scared. And uh, she went out, she's been out many, 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 many times by herself in the day. And on Tuesday morning, she went out for a run, did 10Ks, thought she'd do a little bit more. And as she was coming back on the way back, right outside our complex, Two young men, about 25 years old, uh, decided to, to attack her and steal her cell phone. I'm sure they had more intention as well. And uh, they were malicious. 
as she went to go around them, they just dived on her, rolled her in the, in the dirt, broad daylight, 9.30 in the morning, cars coming, people walking, and uh, uh, they took out a screwdriver, and um, I'm so proud of my wife. I mean, honestly, I know she could scream, but I didn't know she could kick. But she gave uh, one of these guys a good kick where it hurts most, and uh, the guy doubled up, but he did get a stab in and stabbed her in her leg, blood gushing everywhere. Um, she, she managed to scream loud enough to, to get some attention as these men fled into, into the, the grass and open land next to our property. And, uh, but then, you know, God is an amazing God. I mean, into all of this, 9.30 in the morning, uh, normally our police can take a long time. Two minutes later, a police vehicle came right past um, and was stopped by our security guards. They ran into the felt after these attackers, and uh, these guys went to ground. They went into the, to the grass. Our grass grows about this tall. Um, and so because it's winter and it's brown, it's very thick at the moment, and they just kind of like snakes went into the grass. And uh, my wife, Omi, and we rushed out. I had two elders come with, and then a couple of other people from our staff had heard, and they all came uh, to where Andy was, and, and I was telling that story this morning. But what happened was... Um, Guys began to go into the grass, and they were walking around and trying to find them. And the cops summoned the dog units and summoned the helicopter. And because the ANC, our government, uh, the ruling party, was having a, a big conference in our city, they had had extra protection that was summoned into the city. So when the cops heard about what was going on, I think they were bored and decided they needed some um, you know, some fun for the day. Anyway, about 15 cop cars later, two dog units and a police helicopter, um, using the blades of the helicopter, blew the grass away, revealing the attackers. And uh, the funny thing was, is Andy runs with a, a little app on her phone called the Run Keeper. You may, if you're a runner, you may know it. It just tracks how many Ks you've done and your time and stuff. And so she had that. It was running. And this attacker, he didn't turn the phone off. And so it must have been talking to him as he was running away, you know, because it's kind of saying, you know, 11 kilometers in two minutes and da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, um, it, it tracked him as a GPS. And uh, as they... The, the police caught him. Um, he had his hands tied behind his back, and he came out. and, they, and one, one of the elders that uh, was there at the scene said to me, "He says that they said now he's got a phone." And the guy said, "I don't have a phone. I got no phone. I promise, I got no phone." So they said, "Oh." So they took out their phone and they phoned my wife's phone, and it rang in his pocket. <laughs> And so uh, they took it out, and we got the phone back, and um, when we got it back, we could go into the history of the RunKeeper app. And so you can actually see where he was crawling away. He moved 28 times to get away from the police in the grass. Um, and, uh, but at that time, I mean, obviously, I, I tell those things and we laugh, but at the, in that moment in time, I want to tell you that um, I've never felt so hopeless and yet, um, you see, we're in the middle of a, a series called The F-Bomb, which is a series on forgiveness. And on Sunday last week, I preached about forgiving from the heart. And I kind of thought, uh, I wonder if we'll get some testimonies about this. I didn't realize that God was going to give me the testimony. You know? And uh, right in the midst of that, 
Tuesday morning at nine o'clock as I held my wife, as we both wept together. And in that moment, I looked up to heaven and I said, God, would you help me to forgive from the heart? I can honestly say in that moment that God took by his grace, I could stand in front of those men and I would not want to harm them. In fact, there is great compassion in my heart, realizing that a 25-year-old man has actually messed up his life to go for a a phone and to stab somebody and is going to spend probably 18 years of his life in a prison that's not really nice in, in South Africa. And a life has been just messed up because of evil and sin. And just the compassion saying, I forgive him. I know he has to stand um, in the courts of justice and he needs to pay for, for the evil and for what he's done. But our hearts are so much now for him that, that we are trusting that one day we could actually meet with them and tell them about the forgiveness that we have for them and that the forgiveness of a God that could forgive them and that they could maybe experience the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. I ask you to pray with me for that. Um, that that would happen. More than anything, I, I want a testimony of the transforming power of the gospel. And that's, you know, when it was, he should never have attacked my wife. But yet it was the right person to attack. Because anyone else would maybe have done something else or wanted something else. But what we want now is for him and his mate to experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So, um, yeah, tell you that story, you know, a little bit about this now. Um, I'm not sure I'm even going to get to my message tonight because I don't know. Just kind of, uh, should we just tell a few stories and uh, dance and go home, Tone? Um, I don't know what this church does to me. The first time I came here to preach, I came to preach something and I preached something else. So I'm um, not sure where God's going to take us tonight. But I do want to say is that I, as I have prayed and um, been really excited about coming and visiting and just love Victory and love Tony and Kath and this family, uh, it, it, it you are the same age as us. Well, we are the same age as you, put it that way. We were started in 1994. Um, we've gone through some transformations, and there's some, so many great similarities. And uh, we're just loving doing ministry together. But I, I felt just the other night as I was woken up, I felt these words just come and impress upon my heart and spirit. It was greater impact, greater impact, greater impact. I believe that God is, is, is going to increase the impact that he wants to, to impact this great city with through victory. I just love the fact of what you're doing. We've had a coffee bar that's been open or a coffee shop. And I know that what's going to happen is that there's coming greater impact because of your stewardship. That as you are stewarding what you have and as you're believing for more than before, it's an amazing thing what God does. He just fools because God is a filler, not a forcer. He doesn't force his way in. He fills the space you give. And if we could just give him more space, he will fill what we give. Because there's a principle, is that it, it, God is a filler, not a forcer. And, and maybe sometimes you, you're thinking, God, would you force your way into me? And in, there is a time when God comes upon us, but he loves it when we give him space to fill. And if we would just give him more space, he will fill it. I know that it's not always that easy, is it, to, to enlarge the space. We have that 
incredible promise in Isaiah that says, stretch your 10 pegs and, and everyone comes. And I know that, I mean, I've been given that so many times, that promise from Isaiah. You know, people come and we've got 21 acres of property that our church is located on. So we've got a big, large property and people come on and they go, wow, you've got such an incredible piece of land. And I said, yeah, but you, you don't know what it costs to keep this land. You know? And everyone's, my buddies in ministry are very jealous of the space, but they're not jealous of the cost. I say, hey, guys, could you help me a little bit here? Oh, no, 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 Craig, you know. Um, and so, but in our struggle to to enlarge the territory that we have, I've always found that one of the most difficult things. I don't know about you, when, when God challenges you to, to give him more, whether it's just space in your heart, whether it is um, more finances. You know, I was traveling, I just remembered, uh, we went to visit some friends in Canada, and I only spent about 36 hours there on our way to the States, but it was just over a weekend, I was ministering in the church, and I noticed that no one in Canada, in Toronto, no one parks their car in a garage or a shed. What do you call it, a shed? Would that be, you understand that? Where you park your cars, okay? They all park them in the street. And I, I mean, it's pretty cold and there's some snow around and all these things. And I'm thinking, why would you park your car in the street? Why not put it in a nice shed or garage? And I asked them, I said, guys, why don't you park your cars in the garage? And they said to me, Craig, have you seen in the garage? And so when we drove past one garage, I was open. He stopped and looked in, and it's jam-packed with stuff, a lot of stuff. And the problem is that we pack our lives with so much stuff that there's no room for God to fill. I think some guys just need to get rid of some stuff in their life, and we would make space for God to fill. And the very purpose and plan that that shed was made for cars can't go in there because we put other stuff. And God will park outside until we make the place and the, and, and the space. Because God is a filler, he's not a forcer. And that taught me, and I, I've often had to go back in my life and just say, God, how much stuff have I put in my life? How much stuff have I put in my marriage? How much stuff have I put in the ministry that is stuff that was good, it had some purpose, but now is filling a space and stopping God from moving in my life. And I know that what God is doing is you give him more space, he's going to fill it. I was saying to Tone this morning when we drove away, in fact, your coffee bar is too small. It's packed. In fact, you can't get any more people in there. You can't get everyone that comes here in there, and therefore you're going to have to make that bigger. Yeah, come on. And now what does that mean? And we all say, yeah, Tone, do it, man. And that, that means that we've got to put our hands and make some space in our wallets as we give and generously give so that those things can do. It's a heart for the house. It's a heart for the house. It's how much space will we give God in this house. And I believe that God is looking for houses that will give him space. There was a time in, in the history of Israel when David had just become king. And the previous king, King Saul, wasn't a very good king. He, he had actually allowed the Ark of the Covenant, which was a, a, a gold box that had archangels on it, where the presence of God dwelt in greater measure. God dwells everywhere. He fills all things. But there was a space that God filled with extra 
presents. And the Israelites were having a bit of a tough time in their, in their, in their, with their enemies and in a war. And they decided if they could just take God into the war, maybe they would win. And they, you find that you can't do that. And I don't want to preach about that. That's another whole message. But they lost the ark, went into the enemies for a time. It created such havoc there that they sent it back on an ox cart. And it came into a man's home. And God began to bless that house. You see, God brings blessing to the house that will host the presence of God. If you will make space for God, God will come in and he will begin to bless your house. And I love this testimony. Uh, I've been impacted by Norm's story, haven't you? Is that when you make space for God, just a little bit, God, I need you in here. He's there like a flash. Wow. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? I believe there's some people here tonight... And you have been needing God in your life, but you've been pushing him out. But he's going to put you into a very small space so that you make space for him. Amazing how God pursued Norman, didn't it? It's like, you know, I want you, Norm. No, 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 no. Okay, now he drops him on his shoulder, makes him, you know, get injured. He'll knock him out. He'll do whatever. He'll even use the fear that you have to bring you to him. You have a fear, I want to tell you, it's right in that place that God actually going to reach you. Many times I find people come and they say, but this, Craig, but this. But that's the very thing that God wants to use. So he drops Norman on his shoulder, and then he has to go into this very tiny space so that he will give God space. I found that so many times. I don't know, you know, I've cried. I'd say, God, would you enlarge the space? Would you take me beyond the boundaries of where I'm at? Would you, I want to break the ceilings. God, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was 16 years old, and I don't know if I finished my story, but anyway, we'll go wherever. <laughs> I haven't got my wife here. She's not feeling well tonight, but I mean, she normally keeps me on my story. But I remember when I was 16 years old, I could not speak two words without stuttering. If the phone rang, I couldn't answer it because I would, you know. <laughs> and then they'd put the phone down. So by the time I got hello out, it was, there was no one there. So, you know. When it, but I knew that God had called me. I knew that there was more. I knew that God wanted to take me beyond where I was. And it was right in the place that of my weakness in my smallest Uh, At that time, I would not have said to you that I would be standing in front of hundreds of people and I've stood and had the privilege of preaching to 4,000 people. I would not have dreamt of that because I couldn't get two words out. But when God fills you, he removes those things which are the stumbling blocks. And I've had this thing all in my life is is I, I know that many other people should have put their hand up to do what I do. Other people with greater capacity should, should have done what, what we do. And I remember when we planted a church and I went to the pastor, uh, that was 18 years ago, 19 years ago, um, and we were talking and, uh, and, and I said to him, Ian, surely there would be 200 other people in the church that should go plant a church, not me. He said, you're right, Craig. It didn't make me feel good, but anyway... <laughs> But then he did make me feel, he said, but Craig, they're not. You're the only one that has the passion and is responding to the call of God. And I knew that it wasn't, I wasn't the first choice, but if I gave God a chance, maybe he could, he could do something with me. But I have faced this kind of 
continuous and continual ceilings, uh, trying to go beyond uh, enlarging. You know, you, when you know you hit the ceiling and you just you just can't go on. You know, I, I brought a little uh, a video clip. Maybe it'll help you understand. It's a study they've done on the flea. So just listen and listen, and maybe it'll help you. Can you show that? How interesting is that? You kind of ever felt like you're setting the level? I mean, I know that. I mean, I've got to go. I say, God, help this little flea jump out the jaw. Because if I don't, how are my kids going to jump out? And those that are following, God, how do I get out the jaw? And I realize that my ceiling can actually ceiling others. And how do I go beyond? How do I stretch out? How, how, do, we, how do we go beyond the, the previous? How do we go to the more than before? How do we steward more? How, how do we go to greater impact? And I realize that, you know, God, let me say this. If you want to go up, you need to go down. It's, it's, it's like the opposite in the kingdom of God. That's what I've found. It's like, if you want to produce more fruit, deal with the root. And there was a time in, in Jesus, his ministry, and he was, he was teaching. In fact, he, he was by the lake, and uh, he was talking, and uh, crowds came. And so they couldn't all hear. So he gets in a boat, goes a little bit off the shore, and he begins to teach the crowds. And they, I can just see them, because they frowns on their face, they kind of don't understand. And Jesus, sensing and seeing that there was a problem, decides he's going to tell a parable. Now, a parable is a story that's made up. It doesn't, it doesn't, didn't ever happen, but Jesus kind of accentuates the story so that he can make a point. And the point he's trying to get across is, is that if there is a natural point that then parallels a spiritual truth or principle. And so he tells the story. And the story he tells is one about a man who went out to sow seed. Now we could look at it, it's, it's in Matthew, but what I thought is, see we've got so many passionate young people, and I think if Jesus was around today, he'd probably do it in animation. Would you like to watch it rather than read it? Should we do that? Come on, let's do it. So we're in the movies. You can pass out the popcorn. And uh, let's listen. You'll probably, you know the story, but let's watch it um, on the screen. Yeah, we can. That's eh? really cool. Very cool. I love that. You know, it's just so graphic, isn't it? It kind of just brings the story to life if you've... If you've never understood that story, never read, you can read it in Matthew. And Jesus tells it very graphically. And what he's trying to tell is that there's four different kinds of soil. And a farmer goes out to sow some seed, and some feed seed falls on the pathway, some on rocky soil, some on soil that's got weed and other weeds and other that's got good soil and produces a 30, 60, and 100-fold return. The thing about the story is, is that after he's told this parable, he doesn't give the explanation. And the disciples are like, oh man, what does that mean? And why is he talking in parables? Why doesn't he just speak the truth? And so they come to Jesus afterwards, and we pick up that, that story in verse 10. And it says, and his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables to talk to the people? You see, they, they understood that there was a difference. Because when Jesus spoke to them, he spoke in truth. 
But when he spoke to those that didn't understand and that their ears were closed and their, and their hearts were hard, he had to speak in a parable. And he replied, he says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And that is why I use parables. For they look, but they do not see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And he says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. You see, here is the principle, and this is where I want to get to, and I I don't know if I've really done a good job in getting there, but I want to give us a principle on breaking ceilings, in making space for God to fill. You see, I could try, and I think I could give you a couple of points, maybe three or four points, or three or four um, truths about breaking ceilings, going to another level. But Jesus gives us a principle. And principles are there to help us live our life with. And the principle that Jesus gives here, he says this. He says, those who have, more will be given. And those who don't have, what they have will be, give, will be taken away. And we go, oh no, that's impossible. That's not kingdom. Why? Because you see, here, in, when we are in Africa, we experience this, and I think in a, in, a, in a more graphic or a more real way, because what's happened is, is that the world has come to Africa and said, oh, shame, you poor people, have some money. And so those who don't have are given, and those that do have must give. And we think this is so good, isn't it? And we think, well, you know, the answer to the world's problem is just let's have all those who have give to those who have not. Yeah. Have you heard that? Have you, have, have, as, you know, you get these adverts on TV and they just, you know, there's this a snotty, fly-infested little black face with a big tummy and it comes on and it's all emotion and give to the poor. Now, I'm not saying don't give. Don't hear me. I come and probably we have poverty that you do not know about. But let me say this. That's not the answer to this world's problems. The reality is that man has been giving and giving and all it does is has a handout mentality. It hasn't solved the problem, friends. It does not solve the problem. The kingdom of God has a different principle and this is it. Is that what you do with what you have is what's important. You see, it's about stewardship. That comes back to, as Tony was saying, what you have. It doesn't matter how much you have. You'll be judged by that. But it's what you have and what you do with it that's going to determine the future. The, The thing is, we think that just to get more, we must be given more. No. To get more, you need to be stewarding what you have in a godly, righteous, and just way. And Jesus was coming with a principle. And what I have found is in that Jesus is teaching us, he says, guys, the issue, if you want a greater harvest, you need to deal with the yield and the field. You get it? If you want a greater harvest, if you want a greater ceiling, if you want more of abundance, and I'm not prosperity preaching about money, though this deals with money, but it's more, it's life. If you want more in your marriage, If you want more in your business, the principle is this, is what are you doing with what you have? 
And if you want a greater harvest, you need to deal with the yield and the field. Okay, this is not rocket science, guys. It's very easy. And Jesus teaches them this, and he says, look, I tell you what. A farmer went to sow some seed, and some seed fell on a pathway. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know what a pathway was doing in a man's field. How many farmers have you seen that just like have pathways all across their fields? Have you, have you seen any? Is it part, that, I mean, that's a stupid farmer. A farmer that is, he makes a road around the field, but he doesn't make a pathway through the field. And the problem is with us is that there are pathways that are crisscrossing our field and, and stopping the yield of the field. And so if we just want a greater yield, we need to plow up the pathways. I don't know what a pathway is doing in a field, but I think it, for me, it would be a shortcut. Not about you. And I, you know, I found God just, he's saying, Craig, there's some shortcuts that you're taking through the field of your heart. There's some comforts. There's some convenience decisions you're making. There's some things which, you know, you know that in righteousness and justice and what is wise, you need to go round. But we just kind of, no one's looking. And then there's a field. And we wonder why people walk over us because they walk on the very pathways we make. And so if you want to get rid of the pathways, you need to plow them up, you need to plant them, and you need to protect them. I'm just giving you some seed and trusting that this will multiply and you can go and apply it to your life. The second type of soil was one of it was rocky. In other words, it, they, the seed would take and they would go down, but the roots, it was very shallow soil. There was rocks. And again, I don't know what a farmer's doing with rocks in his field. The reality is, friends, is that I know a farmer that was putting in a vineyard, and what he did is he took a massive, big iron like hook, and he went and ripped all the rocks out of his field. But the problem is that when we are plowing, and remember in those days they, they would plow behind a, 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 you know, an ox, and it's, it's kind of like hard work out in the field as we you know, put the plow in, and, and you get to this rocky place, and it's very tough, and now I have to bend down, and I have to take it out, and you know what, it, it's just easy to go around. And the next time I come, I go around even further. And you see, the portion and area that was purposed and planned in God to produce is full of bitterness and anger and hatred and unresolved issues and offenses. And we don't want to deal with it, so we just go around it. Jesus is saying, if you want more than before, deal with those things. And then the third type of suit was the weeds. And now... Because of the curse of sin and, and Adam and Eve, and you can take it up with them one day, but you know, the reality is, I don't know of a field that doesn't have weeds. And it's not about not having a field with weeds, it's about tending your field of weeds. Now, farmer lets the weed grow, you tend the weed. And I have a horticulturist friend, and he said to me this He said, Craig, this year's weeds is seven years' seeds. So in other words, you let a weed come to fruitfulness and produce a seed, it can germinate up to seven years later. I thought, wow, that's just like sin, isn't it? 
We let sin come and, 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 and bear its fruit, and then it lies in our heart. And about two, three years later, it pops up again. You say, where did that come from? Well, it's just been lying there, and that's the issue. It's not that it's there. The issue is what you're going to do about it. And if you attend it, before it comes to seed, eventually you'll have a less of the weeds in your field. And then the good seed, the good soil. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that there is some soil in my heart that's good. I'm going to tell you that every one of us, and I don't care if you are far from God tonight and you feel like you have messed up and you feel like your, your heart is so full of sin, so full of, uh, of hatred, or you may have done some things and you think, you know what, God will never accept me and nothing will ever, nothing good will ever grow in my heart. I want to tell you, friends, even as we listen to Norm's story there is just a portion of soil in your heart, and it's God-shaped. And you know what, I need? what just encourages me to go to the next level and produce more? It's this thing. Just one seed will produce at least 30. I just need one thought. I just need one word, God. I remember just, and I shared this morning about looking up, and I was saying, God, would you give me one word, just one word, and that will produce 30 at least. And that one word, Craig, look up, okay. And that one word is giving me life, and it's producing, and it's, I know it's not producing a hundredfold return, but it was one word into one part of my heart, and it's now producing something. It just reminds me, you know, when, when, when mankind rebelled against God and sin came into this world and, and it just destroyed this world, destroyed our relationship with God, it alienated us from God. It just took one seed to change the field. It was a heavenly seed and his name is Jesus. And he left heaven and he was sown into the sin-sick world and he came as man but he was perfect. He was God, yet he was man. And in his perfection, the Bible says, unless a seed goes into a ground and dies, it cannot produce food. It cannot, can, cannot produce fruit. And what happened is, God, the creator of this universe, came down to this land, to this world, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was a seed of heaven, and it came down into this world, and Jesus Christ died so that you and I could produce fruit for his glory and his honor. Let's stand together this morning, this evening. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.